Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Hollywood Podcast, covering the latest in film, TV, streaming, and social media. I'm your host, Max Geshwind. Stay tuned for today's episode. All right, everyone. Well, thanks so much for tuning into today's episode. And I'm so fortunate to have with me today, Helen Huang, who is the costume designer of the upcoming Apple TV Plus series, The Shrink Next Door, which is premiering November 12th, starring Will Ferrell, Paul Rudd, and Katherine Hahn, directed by Michael Showalter. Um, so yeah, Helen, thanks so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, very excited. Um, so my first question, I wanted to start at the beginning. Um, how did this project come to you? Were you um, approached by someone in particular with the show to start um, on the project? Well, I got an email that was like, that didn't state the show. It was just like this, do you, you want to, you know, be interviewed for the show? And yeah. then um, Michael called me because I had met him on something else. Um, and he was like, yeah, you're interviewing for the show. And he sort of described it to me and I listened to the podcast, um, to get a sense of what they're writing and it was fantastic. And so, yeah, um, you know, I, I went into the interview being like, please let me get this. Yeah. What gravitated you towards, um, the show based on, you know, when you were listening to the podcast, were you already envisioning what the costumes would look like in your mind while listening? Um, well, I think one of the really attractive things was like, it does start out in the early eighties and I had been sort of like wanting to do like a period piece. Um, and I was just very excited because like, I thought the 1980s is like kind of a, um, like an underdone time period, meaning like it gets a lot of exposure because people usually use the eighties, like as a gag, you know, like robicides, yeah. you know, uh, shoulder pads. And so nobody really, like a lot of times they write it as a joke and don't take it very seriously. And I thought the eighties from like the beginning of the decade to the end of the decade was like so interesting. And there were so many sort of like cultures and subcultures, especially in New York, that was like coming up. And so I was very excited because I really wanted to do the research and uh, sort of like do it justice the way I really think it should be represented. Yeah, and that's so true, though, with like those key, you know, um, symbols of the 80s, like you said, the shoulder pads or the yeah. big hair or the glasses, yeah. all of which, you know, we see in the in the show. Um, I want to. Um, segue back to the fact that this is based on a podcast because I believe this is uncharted territory for you the fact that you were designing costumes for a show that is based on a podcast um, what was the challenge there for you um, since that was the original there, there wasn't anything visual for you to start off with um, well I mean there were a couple pictures of uh, because of the podcast and a couple articles written about Marty and I um, that I, I like originally looked up, but I actually, you know, um, the conversation with Michael and Georgia, the creator was very much like they wanted to make it cinematic and they want it to be very character -y and grounded. And so I pulled a lot of pictures and it's really good during this time because there's a lot of street photography during this time period, like excellent, beautiful street photography, especially of New York. And so I utilized that as sort of like the main resource um to get sort of like a cultural sense of what New York was like then uh which was a lot more diverse a lot more economically diverse and yeah. um, 
people, you know, all sorts of people sort of mingle together. And so I went from that perspective and tried to understand like the tone of what the shrink next door is and the tone of the script um, instead of, you know, trying, trying to create the cinematic world, almost like world building. If you, yeah. were doing, um, if you were doing like fantasy or something, but like world building in a, in a period costume type of way. Uh-huh. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is based on a true story. And the, you know, the podcast is based on a true story that the show comes from. So yeah. did, were there any photos that you were able to look at of these characters or of these real people? Uh, yes. I mean, we did look at photos. Uh, our production designer looked at also photos, but um, I think from the beginning, it was much more like, let's take sort of inspiration from life, but not, um, mirror it completely you know mm-hmm. because um will was playing marty and ike was pl- i mean you know, paul was playing ike and will's this like very tall uh yeah. man <laughs> and so it was about like trying to make will feel smaller and vulnerable and you know um and so like how to do that because they they didn't physically look like the people that they were playing, you know, and a lot of times like they would choose actors that do, but in this case they didn't. And so, you know, I try to think of it more that way, you know, how do we get these actors to feel like what the podcast was talking about, you know, um, in real life and then to get them to feel like what the scripts, you know, were talking about. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about the collaboration that you had with Michael Showalter, did he have a specific vision that he was able to clearly communicate with you? Or did he allow you to have certain freedom with where you wanted to go with the costumes? What was that partnership like? Um, Well, Michael's sort of like the best version of a director that you want to work with, right? He, he's like, um, he's an actor's director. He's like a character director. And, you know, he has an idea of like, sort of the world that he wants to see but he is very free on letting you sort of come up with your own solutions to what he wants and your own interpretation to what he wants. So he doesn't micromanage you that in that way. He just really trusts his department heads once he hires them to sort of present him with like the ideas that they were looking at. And yes, he was very attracted to my initial presentation of you know, with the street photography, um, you know, what, what I was bringing to the table and what I was pitching, which was sort of a, a very grounded period piece, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the color palette, I think, overall with the film looks a little, you know, a little down, a little gray. There, there's mm-hmm. not the most, there's not a great deal of vibrancy in terms of the colors. No, nothing's too bright or warm. Yeah. Um, was this sort of similarly where you wanted to go with the costume since it was sort of like a black or dark comedy is that was that a concerted effort well um marty and ike's relationship sort of progressed throughout the series and so we saved a lot of the color for the second half of the the first four episodes uh were a little bit more muted um and darker but also if you research the time period in the early 1980s they still had a lot of like 70s colors left over so it was a lot of like kind of bruised looking colors like deeper greens muted blues muted um reds and so overall it's again like it's 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 different than what people remember of the 80s which is like late 80s which is sort of like more colorful and neon-y you know uh but that's that's intentional, just so we show the range of 
what's happening and sort of utilize color to um, stress some of the tension that was happening. Mm -hmm. I wanted to segue from what you said earlier, um, because you said as the series goes on, the color palette sort of does change because time goes on, um, which which sounds to me like another, you know, um, sort of challenge for you because you weren't just um, designing clothes for the, I believe it takes place in the early eighties, like 81, but you were moving forward in time and fashion changes over time too. So can you talk a little bit about the different eras in time that you had to design for and um, the challenges that that posed? Um, Well, in the first four episodes, it was between 81 and 84, 83, 84. And then the later part of the episodes, I think we went to, it went fast. Like it was like 1990s. Then it was like 95, 96, oh, wow. 97. Like we did, we did mostly like almost all the decades of the 90s because of these parties I Ike was having. Yeah. And then um, you know, when they were dealing with like the lawsuit, um, that was in the 2000s. So we went to 2011, 2017. Um, and so the challenge was sort of like keeping the identity of these characters and sort of understanding like how they could evolve style-wise throughout all these decades and keeping it kind of, you know, authentic. Um, And, you know, even as we got to like the 2011s or even like 1997, I didn't really try to rely on memory because, you know, people never really remember how they dressed in a particular time period. So we did use a lot of uh, photographs and did a lot of research for every time period just to get it right and get the nuances right. Yeah, I was just going to use the word nuances or subtleties, because when you're, you know, I feel like 80s and 90s seem a lot easier because we're more removed from those eras than like 10 years ago, like you said, 2011. So how do you design, um, I guess, costumes for, you know, a time period like that's just 10, 15 years ago, that's not too far removed? Like was fashion that much different when you were working on those sort of time periods? Well, a little bit, yes, because, you know, um, I don't even like, even if you think about like male, like pants wise, like 2011, um, like men's pants were like really big. Um, But like, even like pattern wise, like, you know, every sort of 10 years, um, the, the, the different, like even plaids and things like that will be different. Um, materials will be very different. S- silhouettes will be different. And so it's just about like having close examination on sort of those things. Um, but also with like, you know, in particular with Ike for each time period, I like to find him like a spirit animal in mm-hmm. terms of, in terms of someone who's real, uh, that we could sort of like latch onto and sort of develop that character. And during that, time period like 2011 we did a lot of like um oh my god I forgot his name <laughs> um like uh, oh my god what was it sorry I'm just um was it an actor or no no it's a it's an interviewer actually on oh. tv um once I think of it I'll, okay I'll sure um but you know like in the nine. 90- 1990s his like spirit animal was like all these sort of like vintage Ralph Lauren ads that we right. were looking at he was, <laughs> yeah. and then you know Marty's spirit animal um sort of in the 1980s was um Stephen Hawking you mm, know okay. like, young Stephen Hawking and so yeah. like they each had someone that I really thought 
sort of like had the, the sort of emotional tone that we needed. And so we sort of like build from that category of things. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm so excited to just see the nuances in the different mm-hmm. fashion as it goes on in the series. That's very exciting. Um, I want to ask about the cast because this is just such an outstanding cast. You mentioned oh, Will Ferrell. Oh yeah, sorry, go ahead. Larry King, sorry. Oh, who was it? Larry King. Oh, Larry King. Yeah, with the <laughs> suspenders and everything. Yeah, and the, the shirts, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I want to segue over to the cast because this uh-huh. is such an outstanding cast. You mentioned Will Ferrell, Paul Rudd. We also have Catherine Hahn, Casey mm-hmm. Wilson. Um, what was it like working with these guys on the show? Uh, it was amazing. It was kind of a dream. Um, Will and Paul, you know, all like Catherine and Casey, they were very much like they were very trusting. And, you know, like that's the best sort of actor collaboration that you get because a lot of times, you know, actors are very stuck on, uh, sometimes depending on who they are, um, uh, they're more married to their persona and mm. sort of like not wanting to look, you know, quote unquote silly or uh, not attractive on screen. Um, but like Will and Paul and all of them, they were just like very much like open to whatever I was trying to put them in and not you know, and helping create that character. And they would just like stand for hours in their fittings just so we could get it um, exactly right. Um, and so like that that is the best relationship is when you have the actor's trust to where you could be like, I have this idea and for them like not to shoot it down, you know, and just like put on the clothes. And I think also like, if you look at all these actors across the board, that's the reason why they look so good in all their other shows and movies is because they sort of let the costume designer do the work, you know, that could get them to that character. Yeah. Did you have any um, spirit animals for Catherine and Casey like you did for Will and um, Uh, Paul or? Catherine, no, uh, (laughs) Catherine and Casey were like, you know, because we did so much uh, research. they were from like the sort of like the different magazines that we were looking at. So Catherine, I really did want her to, cause she plays Phyllis who is Marty's sister and everything in Marty's world has a very specific color palette. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's like a little bit more seventies color palette and more neutral. And so Catherine had a lot of that, but as a character, Phyllis is so much more sort of engaged in the world than Marty is. So while Marty's dressed in a very seventies silhouette, uh, Catherine's character Phyllis is dressed a lot more sort of like on beat with what 1981 sort of like oh. in, in the magazines Marie Claire and stuff like that the, that was going on and we were thinking you know she's kind of like a working girl and so you know we put her in sneakers and in flats um, but also like any opportunity I get to put women in flats on film is like a big win for me <laughs> <laughs> just because I feel like it's long overdue um, so she was from sort of like more higher end magazines to sort of engage her more in the world. And with Casey, I think Michael's note on her was like for Bonnie Ike's wife, he wanted her to feel a little bit like a, like a mall girl. And so mm-hmm. we actually looked at a lot of Sears sort of catalogs um, to see what was going on. So it was almost like a derivative of, of like higher fashion, you know? And so the fabrics were a little bit cheaper. It looks a little bit more seventies. We use like the higher pitch seventies colors. And so like when she's with Ike because they were more colorful than Marty and Phyllis, like 
they just seem a little bit out of sync with um, their environment. Interesting. I loved how you used the term working girl to describe Catherine Hahn's costume, because when I saw her in the um, in the trailers, <laughs> she kind of looks like Melanie Griffith in the movie um, yeah. Working Girl. Was mm-hmm. that sort of um, something that you look to? Well, or- I mean, Melanie Griffith's um, character in Working Girl, I did watch it. Yeah. Uh, because it's usually what people reference when they think of it's like such a pivotal thing that people reference when they think of 80s but it's actually 1985 and so um and she goes through a huge transformation in the movie from something more gaudy to something more neutral and like paired back um so I did look at that movie but not necessarily sort of like for her but you could see the connection because while doing all the research it was what was happening sort of at the time you know mm-hmm. um but bill cunningham had some like really beautiful photos of like women walking to work like in their sneakers you know this is a time period when like french people were like american fashion is like so ugly like why are all <laughs> women like wearing their tennis shoes to work and then putting their heels on after you know mm-hmm. uh, but for me like i just like um, the idea of that as like women entering the workforce in the late seventies and then, you know, big time in the eighties. And that's where actually, um, speaking of working girl, that's where all the power suits were developed because Mm -hmm. women were entering the workforce during that time period. Yeah, that's cool. And I love how, you know, you talked about it earlier with, um, Marty's costumes and how that represents like his state of mind. And he still thinks, you know, he has a 70s state of mind yeah. and that's representative of what he's wearing. So the fact that the costumes are um, a display of what's going on in their mind also yeah. and how they view the world and themselves. Um, I love that and really looking forward to seeing <laughs> all the eras of costumes. Um, I had one last question for you. Um, I wanted to ask about upcoming projects more specifically. I know you have an upcoming HBO Max sci-fi miniseries, Station Eleven that's coming out this fall. Um, Could you share a little bit about what we have to expect from your work on this project? Um, I mean, it's so amazing that these two sort of project came like back to back. Yeah. This was extremely rewarding and that project was also extremely rewarding. And on that project, I think I just wanted to rethink what sort of like this post apocalyptic like future would look like because I was just really tired of watching you know like sci-fi and fantasy being like really dark and gray for post-apocalyptic future it's like everyone's kind of like disappeared you know and it's more about the theme of the piece instead of about the individual and for me I just wanted to really show like like the future post-apocalyptic could still be lively and interesting because people are lively and interesting even if they have gone through something horrific um and then there are some elements of it that we got to create such amazing sort of arty costumes so it was like it was like play sort of every day um on that project yeah and read it when i was reading what you know the mini series is about i was very surprised that this was in development long before, you know, COVID, because it certainly does sound timely. Um, The fact that it deals with the flu pandemic that wipes out, you know, a good amount of the world's population. Um, It must've been a crazy project to work on dirt just in the middle of an actual pandemic. Yeah, I mean, like actually when we were first filming the first like couple of episodes, the flu was just like, um, COVID was just happening. 
in Chicago and we, my assistant was like, do you think it's going to come to the U S I was like, no, <laughs> and then like, uh, lo and behold, it comes. And then, so we finished it up after, um, the industry went back up again, like during the pandemic. And there are so many things like in that first episode, you're just like, Oh, like all these sort of feelings that we were sort of guessing at, like, <laughs> were actually there like after the pandemic like happened. So it, it was extremely interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, can you share what it was like working with Hiro Murai, who's such a noted <laughs> music video director, but who's like so successful now in the past few years with TV with Atlanta, Legion, mm-hmm. Snowfall, Barry, and now he has this, what, what was it like working? Um, well, Hero's also a dream. I'm so lucky because I get to work with all these like sort of like dream directors. Yeah. But Hero is also similar to Michael, like they're very trusting of the de- department head. So if they hired you, they know that your sensibilities sort of align with theirs, which is sort of like the best relationship. Right. And um, so he, and so he does have sp- specifics but their notes are always like, emotional like I would like them to feel this way and so they never say anything you know like like concrete like I want you to dress them this way they always say I want you to they they, they want them to feel this way and that's always so good for a costume designer because you get to sort of problem solve that and be like how do I put these pieces together to get this person to emote this visually you know mm-hmm. and so yeah so that was such a dream too and does this take place um in the future or is this like just contemporary there's a couple oh. episodes where it's in it's it's now and okay. there's a bunch that's you know in the the future um yeah and so so it was very it was kind of and it's also like shrink like it was just like a a big sort of analyzation of like where humanity can go you know and those are the projects I sort of like the best really is um just thinking about culture and subculture and like people you know yeah Um, I love that and whether it's period or fantasy those are the things like the apex of where I start everything yeah definitely well it's so great how we have these two shows coming out around the same time (laughs) this fall yeah, yeah. We have to look forward to your work That's and on these two different um, streaming services with HBO Max and then with Apple mm-hmm. TV Plus. Um, did you have any other upcoming projects that you worked on or that you're about to work on that we have to look forward to? Um, there is one coming up that I'm very excited about mm-hmm. uh, and it's called Beef um, and it's with uh, Stephen Yoon and Ali Wong um, and I'm very excited about that just because, you know, as an Asian American, I've been sort of like really looking for scripts that have Asian American leads. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that came along and it was just perfect. So I'm going to start on that um, soon. That's great. And that's an A24 series that's going to be on Netflix. So it's sure to be good, hopefully. Um, (laughs) Can can you share a little bit about what, what the story's about and what, your costumes will look like? Uh, I'm not sure if I could share the story, mostly because, you know, like everything that you read, you sign an NDA. Right, right. Um, But I think they have a synopsis online. I'm just like not very sure how much I could share. But like, I It follows two people who let a road rage incident burrow into their minds. Okay. Um, But um, for me, I just really want 
so there's a lot of things that I, I care about in terms of like bringing things on screen, whether it's TV or movies. Right. Um, one of them is like women, like how diverse women can look because, you know, I get really tired of sort of like the same iconography of women. Like this is a mom, this is a hot girl. This is, you know, like, I just think it's so boring and women could look interesting and, I hate the word flattering because I feel like it's used on women all the time. And so with Ali's character, I think I just want her to look like a specific culture of woman, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, with Steven's character also. And I also think that, you know, having Asian American leads, like sort of really, you know, doubling down and anchoring them in a lot of character is something that I really want to do because a lot of times, with Asian American characters, they're like day players. And so I feel like they don't have much nuance to get developed as much as, you know, like regular leads do because you get developed as a series. But if you're a day player, you're like developed for one episode or, you know, and so it's like flattened dimensions. And I really want to give this show like a lot of dimension and um, just like a a lot of like sort of deep character dives into sort of different uh, different aesthetic cultures. Yeah, definitely. And are you guys currently um, in the middle of filming that or you're gonna soon? We're getting uh, started. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm just like very uh, excited to to do it. Yeah, that's great. Um, The fact that we have, you know, these two projects where we'll see, I think the full scope of your work going from, you know, early (laughs) 80s to present time with Station Eleven, which is more contemporary and now we have this um netflix thing that we'll see from you soon hopefully sometime next year or so um that's great well we're looking forward to it um but helen thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me i appreciate it thank you so much this has been wonderful thanks so much for tuning in Please take a moment to subscribe to The Hollywood Podcast for free on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Max Geshwind. Thanks for listening.